0: Good morning, all sure, so good to be here with you today. I want to invite you, if you're with us in person this morning, will you stand and join us? We're going to open up by just celebrating the fact that we're all here together. And even if you're online, you are with us today. And there is joy when the people of God come together to celebrate the goodness of God. So with that being said, let's just come together and lift up the name of Jesus in this place.
1: who is we worship the god who evermore will be he opened the prison doors he parted the raging sea my god On that cross, and he rose from that grave. My God, still rolling stones away. There's joy in the house of the Lord, there's joy in the house of the Lord. His
0: Church, it's so interesting because, as we were taking time this morning to prepare and to pray, just over both services and over our day, we try to do that as a team as best we can before um, we get into rehearsal and all that. But we're just sharing, and and we shared right before this uh, first service started today. And it was so funny because one of our team members just talked about how they really actually disliked this song uh, the first time they heard it. It was funny because I felt the same way, but she said that she disliked it because it was so repetitive. So repetitive to the point where it almost got kind of boring, you know? And um, in that, after she heard it the first time, she just spent some time in prayer, in the quiet with God, and, and really sought after, like, God, why... Why did we pick this song? Why is this a song that we need to sing? Um, And it was so funny because the Spirit of God kind of put in our heart, like, you can sing this song over and over. You can sing the words, you are good, you are good, you are good, a million times over, and yet you still will not get to the depth of my goodness for you. (laughs) I don't know why, church, but that just hit me so profoundly this morning as we were talking and sharing together as a team because it's so true and I don't know where you are today personally but what I do know is that God the creator of the universe is so good and even more so he loves each and every one of you so dearly and what he longs for is that you would just want to be with him as much as he wants to be with you and so we're gonna continue uh, worshiping this morning and we're gonna give some space instrumentally what I would love to challenge you to do this morning is just take some time as the band is playing and reflect on God's goodness and if you're having difficulty with that today that is okay I've been there many times but what I would challenge you with is just invite God's Holy Spirit to meet with you today invite him to reveal his goodness and his love for you as his child so we're gonna just play we're gonna give some space and I just want to invite you right now in the quiet. Just open your heart before the Lord and invite his goodness. Invite his Holy Spirit to, to meet with you, to wash over you, to reveal his love for you. Just give some space.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. you.
2: Lord, I pray that we would be an audience to our own words. God, that we would grow in confidence that you are the one who's with us and for us and working even when we sleep and slumber, that you are active and involved. I pray specifically for any among us who are in a place of despair or questioning whether even present. God, not that you would even bring us through, but you would be with us in the midst of. Let us live life in a different way that we would see how you move and how it's different than what we expect. And we give you thanks that you are the God who's with us and for us and always moving in our lives. We pray this together in the name and in the power of Jesus. And everybody said... Amen. You can go ahead and have a seat. Uh, This morning, during uh, this hour, we get to have the joy of dedicating some kids. So if the families would come up, the parents and the child, come on up together. Uh, We have three that are being dedicated today. We had another family that actually came down with COVID this week and couldn't be part of it. You reminded me, though, that that's family life, isn't it? We'd like to do something, but we're all sick. So I want to welcome all of these. You guys can make your way across the stage. They'll look at you. They don't want to see me anyway, but I'm there. So great to have them all with us. I want to just explain to you briefly uh, what we mean by dedication, why we do this. It's a tradition in the life of the church, and it goes back to the history of Israel. It goes back well before even Jesus lived, died, and rose again. Though Jesus himself was an active participant, his parents took him to the temple to dedicate him. There is a story in ancient Israel that's so beautiful that gives image to this. A woman named Hannah who was unable to have children, was not able to and was struggling and crying out. And not only was she given a promise that she would, but when she did, she then took her son and actually brought him to the temple to live for God. And it was a physical outplay of what all of us are committing to when we raise our kids, that we want them to be his. And so that's really what each of these families are doing today is committing uh, your your child to be his. And I want to just share each of the names of the kids. And I wish I could tell you I have a great memory, but it's right here in front of me. So um, I just I don't want to goof it up. So Henry and Erica here are dedicating Nora. And each of you had a verse, which I always love, the image of a verse that's given. Like this is what we pray for her. And I just want to read it. It's Jeremiah 2911. I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. And I just kept thinking of the word destiny. You're praying destiny into her life. We want what God has for her. And I love that. And then uh, for you two, Garrett and Grace, as you dedicate Marley here in a minute, uh, you have this great passage from Romans. You know, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him so that you may overflow with hope and the power of the Spirit. I love the blessing of praying into her life that she would trust, she would actually see and believe and the Holy Spirit will give power in that. I mean, it's a great destiny image too. And then for both of you as well, uh, as we dedicate um, Caden, right? It's Caden that we're dedicating. And uh, I, uh, I love uh, what you guys say, Cody and Sarah, about Caden. The child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. God, he might be sleeping now, but you're praying for strength. And I think, again, it's an image that, would God, you give him your strength, which I loved with each of yours. There was a sense of, God, we need you. And so I simply want to ask you a few questions that you're committing in dedication, and then we're going to dedicate and pray over them. So the first question is very simply, in your own lives, do you commit to living in a way that honors God, that you seek to live out your faith first in him and live it out in your married lives before you live it out into your family. We always want to remind families you are first a couple. You know, we don't center on the kids. We live out of marriage, and that flows into our family. If that's your commitment, just say, yes, we will. And then are you also committed to raising up your little one in the ways of the Lord, that you would help not only teach them but help live out those ways? And if so, say again, yes, we are. And then I get to ask these guys something because they don't get a pass. They get to actually be part of it, which is very simply this. Are you committed to walking with these families and blessing the destiny of their little ones and being a part of them growing together in their lives, both as families and as these little ones? If, if you are, say, yes we are. yes, we are. And then I always love the fact that we also are committed to being blessed by, not simply the parents, but these little kids. Like we often think we're here to help them. Have you ever been helped by a child? Often. And so part of it is our commitment to say, we're, we're also committing to being impacted by this next generation and by these little ones. If you're committing to being impacted by their lives, say, yes, we are. Great. I love it. So what I want to ask all of you to do, look at that. You are here and ready to go. I'm going to ask you guys to all come down here and your families can come join you and we're going to pray over you. So take your little ones and just, you guys can get up. You're all over there, right? Get up and come down where these are. I'm quite a traffic controller. Come on. You can, oh, there's the steps over there. You don't have to, yeah. You can jump, but I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, if you guys would just come out, And I'm going to ask all of you to stand. We want to dedicate and bless each one. And that's what we're going to do now together. So you guys can just, if the families want to come in and lay hands on them. I feel like I should be doing traveling music while we're doing this, you know?
1: I don't
2: even know what it sounds like. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for each couple here and each little life here. We thank you that you have knitted and weaved healthy life together in each of these. And we thank you for the parents that they represent and the families that are around them. And Lord, we very simply pray that each one would come to know you as Lord and Savior at an even early age. We pray the very things their parents have of destiny, of hope and of trust and of filling freshly in the power of your spirit, of the joy and strength you and you alone give and the grace you give. We pray those into each of their lives. We pray that their parents and all those around would dream your dreams for their little ones, not their own dreams, but your dreams, and that they would have joy as they watch them flourish into them. We pray the blessing over these marriages, that they would be centered on you, And what would happen was your presence would spill out into their kids. They would see lives lived out and loved out. And so, God, we pray the best. We pray that character would always run ahead of giftedness. We pray the best would be ahead for them. We pray of impact both from the older generations and to the older generations of these lives. And very simply now, we dedicate each one to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we thank you for their life and the impact it will have on us as well. And we pray all of this in the name and in the power of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Hey, let's thank and welcome these families.
3: Well, I just want to welcome everybody here today. What a fun day to be worshiping together. We're so glad that you're here. If you're watching online, we're so glad that you could join us as well, especially since we dedicated today. That's so much fun. If you're a guest with us, a special welcome to you. We would love to get a gift into your hands. We have them out at the Connection Point, which is out by the prayer room in the lobby. We'd love for you to stop out there um, we also have a connection card that you can access through the QR code on the seat back in front of you. We'd love for you to fill that out. Um, we'd like to get our team back in touch with you and help you to take your next step here at All Shores. If you've been with us a while, we, we use those cards to communicate in two ways, back and forth. And so if you have a change of address, maybe a change of email, feel free to fill that connection card out and let us know. So that our records are up to date and current and we can get in touch with you and you can get in touch with us. So do that if if that applies to you. Well, as we continue in worship, we're going to worship through our giving this morning. You know, we serve a generous God. He first gave to us and he gave us all that we have. And so we give a little bit of that back to the church to um, grow his kingdom. If you are invested here, if you call All Shores home, I invite you to participate in this form of worship today. You can do that. There are giving boxes on your way out. You can do that online. Uh, But thank you for your generosity to All Shores Well, this is an exciting week because uh, Warehouse Starts, which is our student ministry. So if you are a sixth through 12th grader or you have one in your home, warehouse starts this week we'd love for you to bring your student out students we'd love for you to come you can meet um, pastors Aaron and Lindsay they have um, a table in the lobby you might want to stop by there as well they have candy they always have good candy so you might want to stop and say hi to them but we'd love for you to join us at warehouse this week we'll take a look at the screens as we continue our service
2: Hey, church family, I want to invite you to join me and our whole team on Monday, September 12th for what we call a core night. When we have these core nights, we do them three times a year, and really it's a way for us to come together as a whole family, a church family, this new community God's creating, and... Rally around what we're moving towards, working towards in that season. For us this fall, heading into winter. Where's God leading us? Where are we going? It's a time we trust you'll be encouraged, inspired, connect with each other, and really rally us behind how we're gonna move, how we're gonna pray, how we're gonna walk in this coming season. It's Monday night at six o'clock at the Spring Lake campus, and we'll have child care as well for our time together. We hope you will join us for what we promise will be an inspiring and encouraging time.
4: Uh, I'm Josh Fedema, this is my wife, Hannah Fedema, and we've been going to All Shores for about a year and a half now.
5: All Shores, we were able to attend a few times in person and then everything kind of went online. And, you know, even kind of being new to this area, Josh coming from Kalamazoo and me more in North Muskegon and us getting married and moving to this area, um, even in the midst of kind of all that in a pandemic, um, All Shores was just so welcoming and just felt like home. Even sitting on our couch watching online, we were able to connect with so many people.
4: So being in a, a new area kind of for both of us, we wanted to try to settle down in a new area and find people that are in the same walks of life, people that are similar age as us and just find a group to connect to and kind of uh, call our new home-based group of friends around here.
5: I'd never really was a part of a church or a group. Um, So it kind of seemed intimidating. Everyone was so loving and accepting. I mean, we all got together and we ate food, which is the best way to meet new people. So we ate a lot of food. We got to know all these young um, couples, we singles, some older couples, people who are all around our walks of life, women who I wanted to be in a few years, young moms.
4: Yeah, so right away when we joined the small group that we're in now, we had just found out probably, I don't know, a couple weeks prior to joining that we were pregnant with our first, and it was exciting news to us. We were able to share that with all these new people that we had just welcomed into our lives.
5: It was great to kind of feel connected to women in a different way. I've always wanted to be a young mom, and we were able to get you know, pregnant so fast. It just it felt like a dream, and it wasn't too long after, a few months after, we had miscarried, Um, and that was terrible. One night, our group showed up with just all these wonderful things, these books, these devotionals about losing a baby that I didn't even know existed.
4: Yeah, so people that were, a couple weeks ago, complete strangers to us, were now just constantly asking what they could do, how they could help, um, just anything that they could do to support us and to help us through this, and it was was amazing.
5: I think the words that always come to my head is just, God is so faithful. He was so faithful to us that whole time. He didn't leave our side. He was there through everything. There's no taboo topics. I feel, (laughs) we always feel very open to talk about Mm -hmm. and grow together and, you know, what's going on in the world or in our community that we can help with, or learn from, or um, learn to love better from. I think learning to love is probably always something that we're learning every day, so.
0: In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth.
2: Well, I want to welcome those joining us online and all of you here at our Spring Lake campus for our second service this morning. Uh, We're going to start a new series that we'll talk about in just a minute. Uh, Before we do, there was a video about this, but we have a core night tomorrow night. Simply want to highlight it for you again. Whether you're new to us or fully involved here, it's a great way to come and be encouraged inspired for the coming season tomorrow at 6. We'd love to have you here. We're about to start a new series uh, that I'll explain in a minute, but I want to invite you before we do to simply pray in the quiet that we believe opening Scripture, that the teaching we do is not about persuasion or information. It's about revelation. And so we want you to ask God to speak to you, to lead you, To teach you. If you're among us and you're a person who's skeptical, doubting, not sure what you think about Jesus, just tell God that. We want you to be honest. If you would say you're a committed follower, you're in the process of that, just ask God to speak, to lead you, to teach you. And you pray in the quiet, and then I'll pray for us together. God, I thank you for each person with us today, for each life represented, for each individual and each family, each group that you care about so much. Lord, I pray you'd speak today. I pray nothing would hinder that. You'd reveal yourself to each one of us. Lord, anything that I have to say that's not of you, let it fall to the ground, let it be forgotten. But whatever is from you, let your spirit breathe hope and life and faith into each of us. I join with the psalmist that the words I speak and the way we respond in our hearts and actions would please you, our rock and our redeemer. And all of God's people said, amen. So I want you to think back. You can say in the present to you, but even think back to growing up. If you had a favorite author, just think for a minute. Did you have a favorite author, someone you like to read? For those of you more sophisticated, the most popular over all of history would be Shakespeare. Maybe you're that sophisticated. Maybe you grew up in the area of, J.K. Rowling, you might say something like that, or maybe you're the level of sophistication of someone like me, and it might be Dr. Seuss. I don't know. I know actually for me, my favorite author, especially in my high school years, was a man, his first name was Cliff, and I really, I mean, Cliff had some great books. In fact, he wrote a lot of books. I went and got them usually the night before a test on a book, because it was a summary called Cliff Notes. His brother, Spark, did some really great work, too. And those were authors I regularly pursued because guess what, I hated reading. Anybody with me like reading, why don't they make a movie? That's what I kept thinking, you know, make a movie, entertain me, I don't want to read. Now I picked a job that I read about a book a week, so I have made that work really well for me. But it's interesting to consider how we look at books and authors and whether we like to read or not, and I bring that up because we're in a series that you asked for, in fact, Last spring, we asked you, what would you like us to teach about? Your top ask was, how do we read the Bible? That it's confusing and difficult, and yet it's central to what we say is a part of our faith. And, and we know that. Anybody who's read any portions of the Bible go, oh, it's so meaningful. I love when they have lists of names for 30 pages. That's exciting. And then some of the things they talk about, I don't even know what it means. I mean, come on. There's one guy who describes his wife like she's sheep sheep her teeth are weird things and objects. Like, I don't even get what that means. And we could go on to all sorts of other confusion. I mean, we understand it's really difficult sometimes, and yet we know it's central, or at least we understand that Christians throughout history have been told, man, you've got to be in the scriptures. This is a part of who we are as followers of Jesus. And we can have all sorts of barriers to it. And then there's some of us who read, and we read and Even though we read, all we do is feel like God's looking at us going, I am so disappointed with you. Here's another thing you need to fix. Here's another thing you need to fix. Here's another thing you need to fix. It's just difficult for most of us. And so what we hope in these four weeks are not only to show and give some great handles, but even to give you encouragement of what it can be. Because I will tell you this, anyone who's fully followed and been deeply committed to Christ has always had scripture as a major part of how they know him. And what we want to do is discover that. We don't want to live in a way that it's this duty we have to do, and we're all looking for Cliff Notes or Spark Notes. Hey, at least I can watch Chosen, then I can see it, and I don't have to, which is not a bad thing, but what does it mean for us to engage in Scripture? And so that's what we want to do in the coming weeks. Today, my job is to kind of give us some framework for that, ways we can look at it, and I have three specific things I'm hoping to help you with as we go through this, how we view what Scripture is, what the intention of it is, and how we might engage in it. And so I want to begin with Jesus' very life and what Jesus did and what he said, both about himself and about Scripture. You know, what's the purpose, in other words, of Scripture to anyone who's a disciple of Jesus? We call disciples people that follow him. So anyone who's a Christian would say, I'm a disciple. I'm one who follows. And I want to take you back to when Jesus actually first calls his disciples and give us a picture, I think, of how we can view Scripture and why in the world we would spend so much time reading and pursuing it. Let me take you back. This is Mark's account. If you don't know, there are four accounts of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Each one tells the story of Jesus from a little different vantage point. Each one has a little different perspective and offers great things for us to learn in each account. Well, in Mark's account, we'll take it up with the calling of the disciples. This is in Mark chapter 3. It says, Jesus went up to a mountainside and called to himself those he wanted, and they came to him. Now, even before I go on, I want you to know, in one of the other accounts, it tells us Jesus went up on the mountain for a whole evening and simply was with the Father, meaning he spent time, the Son of God, with the fatherhood of God, just praying for who he should be with. And this is what comes out of it. He appointed the 12 that they might what? Okay, guys, not so loud. (laughs) That they might what? Be Be with him. They might be with him. They might be with him. Just stop before you think of anything that God would ever ask us to do. What is his first desire? It's to be with us. God made us to be in relationship with him. When Jesus calls his disciples, it's first to be with him. And then he sends them out to preach and have authority to drive out demons. Now, if you haven't been around the church, one of the places we've been giving vision to this, our our very vision statement is that people will say of us, we have been with Jesus and that we literally bring his presence, the natural and supernatural compassion of him to the world around us. In other words, it's rooted in, we believe, us being with him. So I want you to understand, for everything for us, what I'm about to tell you is very central, that Jesus' first call is that we could be with him. It's a call of relationship. It's something beautiful and profound. And so you go, what does that have to do with reading the Bible? Why does that matter? And I want to give you a simple way to understand it and explain it. You see, it's this, that we believe the written word reveals the living word. In other words, the writings in the Bible reveal, the written word reveals who Jesus is. That's the desire of Scripture. That's the authority of Scripture. It's not that we, we have to protect the Bible. It's that it reveals who Jesus is and protects itself through revelation. In other words, Jesus wants us to know him. Now, in case you don't think Jesus intended that, let me just take you to one example where he's with some people, and they're kind of arguing about what it means to live and have eternal life. And he says to them, this is in John chapter 5, I'm paraphrasing, But he says, you think, and you study the word, you study this written word, thinking it will give you eternal life, and the written word gives witness to who I am, and you're missing it. In other words, you're reading the scriptures with the intention to go, what are the rules I have to follow? How do I have to live? And in case you haven't been around the church, what we believe is Jesus actually lived, and he died. He died what we call a sacrificial death, meaning on our behalf for our sin and mess, and he rose. In other words, he took care of the guilt and sin, but then what we do is we feel forgiven, and then we read the Bible and go, I gotta work at this more, I gotta do better, I'm not doing well enough. It's it's basically this guidebook to tell you how disappointed God is with you. And what I wanna start with is, the scriptures are there to reveal who the the living word is. In other words, we don't read to get information. We don't even read just to know about the author. We read to know who God is. And every individual that wrote any part of that scripture, God helped them to write it in a way that would reveal Jesus. Come on. I told you I don't like to read, and I don't like to read, and I endure it. But man, when I read scripture, I read because I actually believe the written word reveals the living word. And I hope you know what this is like. And I'm not saying it's all good because there's lots of times that are boring and struggling and difficult. But along the way, what happens is... You're sitting there and you're reading, and suddenly this impact of God's very presence hits you. Maybe it's a revelation about him. Maybe it's something of comfort to you. Maybe it's even convictional. And you go, the God of the universe just spoke to me. Oh, come on. Is that not crazy? And I, I love it. The people, that is so weird. I, you're right. It's, uh, take the crazy train with me. It is way better than Ozzy's crazy train because this one's going somewhere, and it's going to be amazing. We believe this. We actually believe the written word reveals the living word. I love it. Ralph, who's our emeritus pastor here, he says that all the time. And when I listen to him in his mid-80s telling me that, I believe it because Ralph lives it. And it makes me want to live it more. And if nothing more, if I can start you believing that, guess what, we tell you to read Scripture and we want you to read the Bible, it's not because we want you to get this book of information or even a book of arguing about morality or a book about arguing of who Jesus is and isn't. I got news for you. All these people who tell you what Jesus says and doesn't say— You'll read it and go, that is not what it says. I've had people who've been shocked on both sides. Jesus is so loving and everything, and he is, but man, does he say some pretty hard things and smack some pretty hard times. I've got other times where people think God is this other way, demanding power and wanting things, and Jesus is like, nope, I'm gonna die in a way that makes no sense to you. He will mess with all the things people tell you about him, especially you'll find that people have a very mild knowledge of him, and they don't know him through scripture. So they think they know him. But the written word reveals the living word. You get where we're starting? I just want you to get that to begin with. That's our intention. Now, what I want to give you in these other two pieces are a piece for us, something that I think God calls us to, and then a piece that God brings to us as we read Scripture. And the first one just helps us understand, so there are 613 commandments in the Bible, and Jesus says, here's the one that matters the most. And we want to know what matters the most because it helps us to know who he is and what he wants, right? So I'm going to take you to an interaction where these religious leaders go, come on, Jesus, what one matters the most. And this is what he says. The most important one is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Now, what he's speaking to here is that love is every part of our faculty. It means we love and learn to love God with our heart. It means we learn to love him with our mind, our soul, and our strength. Now, I get concerned to tell you this because some of you who are performing people will be like, oh, I knew it. God's disappointed I don't love him enough. And if I don't love him enough, he's gonna be displeased with me. And that's not what I want you to hear in this because let's be honest, can we all agree we don't love God with all those parts of us? I would, And, and this is what I do, is I say to God, I know I don't love you like this. Would you help me to know you more that I may love you more? And, and the simple thing I want you to understand from our part of this is we need to fully engage to fully know him. Meaning the more we can engage, the more we can know him. And let me explain it this way. How many of you act odd when you either watch a movie, a TV show, or a sporting event? Like you get fully, full throttle into what you're watching. Any of you do this? Yeah, my family doesn't even want to sit by me during an event. It can, be a, it can be an action movie, and I still think if I kick something around me, it will help whoever's doing it. I still believe I help teams win. I think I helped Michigan yesterday. I don't know what happens with the Lions because, man, I've been kicking and screaming and fighting and nothing. But with the exception of that, I think I make a difference. You know why? Because I'm fully engaged in it. And I got news for you. When things happen in movies that are moving, my family all looks at me Because apparently, my face tells you how deeply into it I am. Like, I make faces like this when good things happen. (laughs) And they'll be laughing, and I'm thinking, what? And then if it's moving, I do the dad, move the face to the side so they can't see I'm crying. Oh, there's some salt. Something is hurting my eyes right now. You know why? Because when I'm in those places, everything of me engages. My thoughts, my emotions, my passion my strength. What I want to say to you is when you read Scripture, why don't we engage in all of us? Because here's what we do. We read Scripture, and it's, a, it's a basically a kind of an unemotional thought. Oh, let's think about that for a minute. I think we should ponder the depth and the intellectual awareness of this. So Jesus, for example, and I'm not speaking intellect alone as, that it's bad, but by itself. Jesus touches a leper, and he heals him. You, you know that's... So, Jesus touched someone that shouldn't be touched. That's a good idea. Jesus touched a leper. You know that's weird and crazy, right? He touched someone that nobody touched. He touched someone that everybody thought was disgusting. And when he touched him, the dude got better. I'm sorry, that's better than anything I watch in any movie. But somehow my passion and my emotion center goes, let's just pull that back for now. What if you and I read scripture, not just with our thinking but with our feeling and with our soul and with our passion. You know, one of the things that leads me to do, when I read of the miracles of Jesus, I become angrily dissatisfied. Not because I don't think it's real, because I want to see more of it. You know what leads me to do? I pray for more of it. God, I want to see this. God, I want to do that. God, I want us to live this way. I want to get fired up for who he is. Instead of just, well... Let's think this through. I think what God's asking us is to be awakened to experience scripture, not just read it as a content and an activity list to do. Because the more we fully engage, the more we'll know him. That's our part. I think that's a posture to take is, God, help me to engage my whole faculties with this and stop looking at it like I'm supposed to be stoic and disinterested in what I do. That's our part, okay? But I want to take you to the final part, which is the part I think we miss that's God's part towards us. And I'm going to take you to a letter that John writes. Now, I told you he wrote one of the gospel accounts. He also writes several letters to the church. And I, and I just I want you to hear how John describes the great commandment, because that's what he does here. He says, this is how God showed his love among us. Wait, wait, he's showing his love for us. He sent his one and only son in the world that we might live through him. So he's describing what God has done for us. He's gonna get to the idea that we love in response. He says, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So this is a piece for me that I wanna understand in my mind more deeply in my heart more deeply, in my soul more deeply, and in my strength more deeply. In other words, Jesus came to go to the most disgusting places that I have lived, thought, and breathed in my life, not only to love me in them, but to take on the penalty of what should happen from how I live in a way that is destructive. Now, do you realize how crazy that is? It's not like God looks and goes, man, I can't look at you. I'm going to die for this, and then I can. It's that God looks and goes, I see the deepest, darkest mess of you, and I love you so much that I'm going to come and walk through humanity's face with the footsteps to suffer for you. Do you think that's something you and I could grow more in how we think about and feel and live out and fight for? I want to know that more. One of the things Jesus says to people that look at others more just kind of disgruntled and think they're worse than the individual, he says, those who forgiven little love little. And what he means is you don't get it. <laughs> He's not saying you're better. He's saying you think you are, but you missed it. And so John's telling us this. And he says, dear friend, since God loved us, we also ought to love one another. And then he gives an exclamation to it. We love, why? Because he first loved us. This is more than anything what I wish people could do when they read scripture, and it's this. I wish you could look and listen for his love. I wish that we could begin not to look and hear his constant disappointment, not to hear his constant, like, I forgive you, but man, you're a mess. I forgive you, but man, you will never quite get there. I forgive you, but it's not quite good enough. Try harder. And here's what happens. Some of us just go, I don't wanna try, and we feel like we won't get there, so we either ignore it or try to pretend it doesn't matter. Others of us that are highly disciplined work very hard at it and probably look at others and go, they're not doing that well, I must be more pleasing to God. But most of us still feel like we're not doing enough. And whatever we do, it's not enough because we got to do better and we got to do better and we got to do better. And so what I find in that group is that what you basically end up with is hoping you're better than other people but constantly feeling you're not enough So this is what I've learned. Most people that are harder on everyone else are probably harder on themselves too. Because guess what? We don't get this. I don't really get his love. And make no mistake, we've got four weeks. We're gonna get into areas where God wants to correct. But if we miss that he loves us, we can't get there. And here's what I'd say is some of us here today, you literally feel the depth of the darkness inside of you and go, I think God's just disgusted with me. I don't know. He's not. You need to look and listen for his love. He can look at the most the most painful parts that you are the most embarrassed about and ashamed of, and go, "I love you even in that, and I love you beyond that." That's why I'm here. Some of us we think he doesn't care and he doesn't see us, and I don't know what's created that in you. I don't know if it's messaging you've gotten from other people or even just thinking he's absent. But I can tell you. With all the confidence in the world, he sees and he cares. He does. It may take you time to see it, and you may have a lot of things you got to break through. But what scripture tells us over and over and over again is the Lord sees you and he cares. Some of us were going to say, I'm too busy, I'm too tired, and there's too much going on. And this one is so hard for me because... I don't really have an answer. I can't sit down and go, let's look at your schedule. Let me help you build it differently so you're not overloaded and overwhelmed. And I have not been successful with anyone in that plight. But here's what I can tell you. Your busyness will never give you what you want. And what I know is you can't live without knowing who he is. I can't tell you that you have to make a change or three steps to do it, but I can tell you this you will keep running the race you're running and keep getting the results you're getting. And it will never show you how much he loves you until you learn to sit and listen and look for it. Because people that read scripture find out the written word reveals the living word. People that engage fully in scripture find out the more I engage, the more I know. People who read into scripture discover, guess what? He actually loves us. And make no mistake, you're going to find things that are going to confuse you. I'm not trying to say you read it. It's so all like, oh, you're going to read things and go, I don't understand that. I don't understand this. But here's what I'm encouraged. Keep reading. Because here's what I've learned over the many years I have read. I have not answered all the questions I have, but many of them have gotten clearer, And the bigger picture has gotten clearer. And so I look at the things that's still confusing. And go, God, help me. God, help me. God, help me. But I have become more and more and more convinced that what Scripture teaches is he loves us. Everyone. The God of the universe loves us. And then I want to say again to any of you who are riding this self-discipline train, if I do enough, maybe God will please If I work hard enough, maybe God will be happy. You can actually read and miss how he loves you by working so hard hoping he'll be pleased enough if you do enough. It's the wrong way to read it. We want to look and listen for his love. I want to give you a couple of practical steps as we work through this series, and then I want to give you one final story I hope will be helpful before we pray. So you'll get this on the way out. It's a bookmark, but what we did was try to give you three simple ways that you can engage in this next month. And the first is very simply, we want you to begin to read the scriptures. And so we have this bookmark on your way out, and we give you different options. Like the first one is read through a different gospel each week. Now there are like Matthew has twenty-eight chapters, uh, Mark has sixteen. You can keep going. There's different ones. So if that's that's a lot to read each week, that's one way you can do it. You know, I'm going to take a gospel and just keep asking the show. Another, if you go, I just want to take a, a chapter a day. You can do Matthew. That's twenty-eight. You can pick Mark. It's the shortest of the four. And then you have some la- some flex days. If you're like, I don't know if I'm going to do this every day, start with that. But start reading. That's a simple. We also give you other plans, like you can read a psalm a day for four weeks. You can read a proverb a day. Imagine reading and saying, God, show me and let me see your love. You can take uh, the weekly passages, we gave you three today, and just work through those. You can take a YouVersion as a Bible app that we highly recommend. It's free. You can pick it up, and there are tons of Bible plans on there. Look for a month long one. And then for those of you who have lots of questions about Scripture, like, I don't understand this, this seems bad and wrong. Dan Campbell has written a book called *How Not to Read the Bible*. That we actually have a QR code for down here. That we go—it's a great read for those more thought-provoking questions that are difficult. And then on the back side, we give you four things to think about or ask as you're reading. Like one is, how does, "What does this tell me about God? What's this to say about me? You know, is there a response for me, and how can I share it?" So I just want to tell you, this is our—this is what we want you to do individually. To step into. Let me give you the next one, which is simply to not do it alone, to begin to engage in groups. And we encourage this because that scripture's meant to be done together, not just alone. And I want you to hear just one story from Olivia of how entering a group helped her with her personal reading of scripture. Take a look.
6: My name is Olivia Johnson, and I've been attending All since June of this year. Before I came to Allshore, something that I struggled with in my personal time of going to scripture with God was just focusing a lot on the intellectual side of the Bible and not having it be something that I really internalized and processed and thought about for myself of how this applies to me and what this means in my life, who is more picking things apart and seeing it as like um, a study thing more than a this is my time with God thing. So when I was first thinking about coming to All Shores, I met with Lindsay Saylor, the youth pastor here who was also leading this group. And I was like, I want to get involved with a women's group. I know how important it is to have a group of, you know, community around you to go to God with. So luckily there was this group of girls in their 20s and 30s that were already meeting that I got involved with pretty quickly. And that was a huge step in, in my faith journey. So my group, we meet every Tuesday night, we go out to the gazebo at church, or we go to the beach, and we have time of catching up and talking about our weeks, and then we dive into scripture together. Reading scripture together with a group has definitely broadened my understanding of whatever passage that we're going through together. We're getting all of these different perspectives from different people who have different Um, notions and impressions of God that are coming with different perspectives and it's all these little slices that all together give you a greater glimpse of who God is. So in my personal devotion life, that's kind of translated to, you know, sticking with a certain passage that I'm reading on and not being afraid to go back to it and think of it with a different lens, thinking how am I seeing Jesus in this? How am I seeing what humanity is like in this? How am I seeing what this means for me now and what it means for them um, when this text was written? So it's given a lot more life and a lot more depth to my devotional time that it's not so um, One-dimensional, but I try to have more of a broader understanding of who God is. I'm not afraid to really sit with Scripture and let it let it soak and mean something greater than just what it is at face value. For anyone else who has struggled with coming before scripture and having it not clicked or not mean something to you, my encouragement would be not to give up on scripture. There are different practices that you can try. There are different ways to connect with God, reading the Bible yourself, having it audibly, writing down, Um, things that stand out to you. There are so many different ways to connect with God. And I think having a group of people to encourage you on that journey is so crucial. So stick with scripture, don't give up on it, try different practices. Um, It's definitely worth it to know more about God.
2: love Olivia's vulnerability and her honesty. You know, when we're in community, we grow. Uh, I've found this to be so true in my own life. We read together at different levels with staff and with our board, and I have two groups I'm a part of. I'm always impacted by how God's speaking to others and how it helps me discover him and grow, even in my reading, that I watch the, living, the written word become living to other people and it somehow awakens who he is to me. So we want to encourage that step. And then finally, I just want to invite you to be here the whole series. What I find, you know, we live in this day and age when we Netflix binge later or we're here and gone every other week at things. Man, we're missing out on the opportunity to actually grow in this. We built this four-week series to help you with four simple steps. And we want you here for all of it. And I just don't want to miss telling you. I'd love to have you be committed to four weeks with us in this process. I want to tell you this one final story, um, hopefully to help us get our arms around what. God might do. So, as you know, the Queen of England passed this last week, and you're probably hearing lots of stories about her life. And I came across one uh, from a pastor, Robert Cunningham, who was told this story by someone who worked in the House of Lords. I can't validate its validity, but it sounds like her, and it was fascinating to hear. He had asked, particularly of the people that were giving tours through the House of the Lords, what was one of the most unique experiences they had with the Queen? And they described a uh, an event that happens every year with Parliament, that for the opening of the session, that she comes in her crown, in her robe, in her regal garb, and heads to the up upstairs, basically the House of Lords, they're all downstairs, and she goes up this really beautiful stairway, and then there's this long hallway to where she's to enter, and give her opening comments, and as she goes down the hallway, there's a whole armed guard all the way down, and they actually take their swords and let sparks fly as she goes by, kind of celebrating her as she gets there. And then she entered in and would basically commission them to enact the will of the people. That's what she did each time. Well, one year as she was getting older and it was becoming difficult to climb those stairs, they had to make alternate plans and had her go to an elevator nearby to head upstairs to that very floor. She got into the elevator, as this man recalled, and they pushed the button, but it went to the maintenance floor instead of to the upper floor. As the door opened, Alice, who works in the maintenance department, was doing what she always does with her head down and having her cart and saw the thing open and immediately pushed her cart in, pushing the queen back to the back of the elevator. And there's Alice now with the queen, and I'm not sure who else. As the elevator doors close, Alice looks up and sure enough sees the queen and yells out in a very honest way, some words I won't repeat right now, which left everyone in the elevator in shock and in sheer silence. The queen then laughed voraciously and loudly and invited basically them to get her to the right floor. Now the story gets better because when she gets to the right floor, she invites Alice to take the walk down the hallway with her. And now Alice and the queen are walking down the hallway to where the queen will enter the queen in her royal garb, and Alice in her working crew outfit. Now, the story doesn't end there because as legend has it from this, the queen following that time set an annual time to have tea with Alice every year at Buckingham Palace, just the two of them. It's a great picture, isn't it? But it hearkens to a better picture. You see, because we have a king who doesn't come in his royal garb. He comes in humanity and walks with us to the darkest, most disgusting and difficult things we've done, thought about doing, or lived through. And says, I'm not only here, I died so you can not have life in it. And then he doesn't just periodically say, when there's time, he says, I'll have tea with you every minute of every day if you want to. I'm yours if you want to be with me. That's the invitation he has. And for some of us, Maybe it's the first time. Maybe it's an invitation to go, you don't believe you haven't followed Jesus. And here's what I want to tell you. This is what we believe. This is the crazy train we want you to join with us. We actually believe God came in the flesh and that he really did walk a road to death through our mess and disgusting life and all that we've done that we are ashamed and embarrassed by to pay the price that we don't have to. That's what you get to receive. But then he says, guess what? I want you to discover me. You read that that written word, you're going to discover the living word. And oh, by the way, do it engaging all that you are. And guess what? You're going to keep hearing how much I love you. I want to go, I want us to do that. And I want to invite you to respond, whether it's for the first time or as a follower of Jesus going, I want that. Not tea when it works. I want tea all the time. You can have a latte if you want, but you get the idea. Let me pray for us. Lord, I pray for any with us that they even just feel the shame of their mess and the things no one else would know. I pray you'd meet them right there and they'd hear your very words, I love you. They'd hear your very words, I can forgive you. And they would just respond and say, Lord, I want your forgiveness. Jesus, be my king. Be my Lord. Be my savior. I pray they would receive that and enter into it. And I pray for those of us who follow that we would hear your invitation to tea anytime. And we go, I want more of that. I want more of you. And I pray for profound times where when we read, we discover who you are. Where as we engage, we engage more deeply with all that we are. And God, that we hear more and more how much you love us. And then we begin to hear how much you love others as we step out and see them and live with them. I pray this in your name amen. We, we try to give a little space when we finish the service to worship and to celebrate communion, not simply because they're rituals, but because we think God meets us in them. And so I want to invite you to stand right now. We're going to worship. Carter's going to lead us. And it's really a song we're going to declare of our, our allegiance and loyalty and longing for Jesus. And if you sing it and go, I'm not even sure I'm there, just ask God to give you that heart. And then we'll celebrate communion partway through. And we'll finish that up together. But ask God to speak to you even now to reveal his love as we sing.
1: All I have I count as lost For the joy of knowing you The one who bore. i
2: Let me invite you to take a seat just for a minute. Hopefully you were able to get the cups that we distribute on your way in. If you didn't this week, just know we celebrate communion every week. We don't have rules or stipulations of membership to take part in communion. We simply want you to be responding to Jesus. We don't want you to feel an obligation if you're going, I'm not there yet, but we want you to feel an invitation. That this act of bread and cup our way that we remember and live into the grace and the love of Jesus. It's really a centering act to see how much he loves us. On the night he was betrayed, he took bread, he broke it, and he gave thanks. He said, this is my body given for you. It's an image, by the way, the flat bread of a sinless life that the leaven has not entered it, which builds pride and builds those things of Jesus' very piercings that he endured, the fires of suffering he went through so that you and I would have life. And we take of that and take of his very presence. In the same way he took a cup. He said, this is a new covenant for the forgiveness of sins. There is no forgiveness without bloodshed. Jesus said, here's my life for yours. And what we do is we taste the sweetness of forgiveness and the sweetness of life that he gives. Let's take of the cup. And I want to tell you before I pray for us with this sacrament that ultimately the allegiance we give, the things we sing about whatever you want and whatever you ask is out of deep affection for loving who he is and loving that what he gives us is the best. It's not a payment that we hope he's pleased with. It's a response with gratitude because the best thing he gives us is him. Let's stand together and sing these words as we close out our time.
1: Whatever you ask, whatever you say, I will trust, I'll obey. Wherever you call, wherever you lead, I
2: King. The King of Kings. The King that comes and lived through brokenness and destruction to bring life to us. He says, I want you to know me. I want you to be with me. That's who we follow and that's who's showing us and giving us love that we would give it to others. I want to give you a blessing in just a minute but remind you too, tomorrow at 6 we'll be here for a, a core night and we'd love to have you all come back and be part of cheering together as we look where God's leading us in the coming season. Let me have you place your hands out. May the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ continually fill you with his spirit. As you read the scriptures, may the written word reveal the living word. As you read, may the Lord awaken every aspect of you, heart, soul, mind, and strength. And as you read, may you discover and hear of his love for you that you would give it to others. For his glory and your joy, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.